God that you feel the same way. Right? That each week when we come here, we think about that this is the day which the Lord has made and what? We will rejoice and we'll be glad in it. We've got to learn to rejoice in the day, right? Because this is, today is the youngest we're ever going to be. <laughs> it is. And so I want us to think about 2019. And I want to challenge us and I want to call us to action. And it's going to be a call that involves everyone. All of us have to be involved in this. Uh, in order to accomplish it. Let me say a few things before we read the text. You, if, if we've had any conversation, you've heard me say this to you. That the Heartland Church of Christ is an incredibly talented group of people. And you are. Right? We are blessed by God. Here's another thing you've heard me say. I am amazed that when we get through this morning and we say amen, you people do not go home. Hang around and talk and visit and hug and check on each other. That's incredible. That that shows a level of love um, that, that we have for each other. I want to commend you and bless you because... You've also weathered storms. And you've come out stronger. And you've come out ready to go. And I think God uses all of that. Which ultimately means we have great potential here. Amen? Bring it together. Got to come in with, with, with a laser focus. Now, you also heard me say this if we've had conversations. That is all true. But over the last period of time, and, 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 and no doubt it would happen, that we've kind of gotten scattered. We're off to the four winds. And, and often the only time that we have to be together is when we come here for worship. Which is wonderful, but it only gives us just a small amount of time, right, to, to say hi to people and how's it going and, and out the door. And when that happens, we, we tend to lose people through the cracks. We're leaving some people behind that end up being isolated and, and lonely and some that have no friendships. I want to make sure we, we correct that. And that's going to be um, our call. Let's read the text. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And selling their possessions and goods, 
They gave to everyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When I began talking to the search committee, And when I talked to the elders, there was one thing that continually came up that they expressed the desire to address. And that was building community. And living in relationships with one another and strengthening our relationships. And working on building groups, small groups, so that we have a place to live with one another. I said, yeah, absolutely, I've done that for a long time. And, and here's why I think that's important. Because God is relational. Right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Christianity is relational. The stories in Scripture often communicate the idea of relationships. See, that's the problem when when we tend to focus only on doctrine to the exclusion of relationships. We harm people. we got to be in relation with one another. And so for 2019, we believe community that is facilitated through groups is important enough for every person to be involved in at least one. May I say that again? We believe that community facilitated through groups is important enough for everyone to be involved in at least one. And what we're putting together are are relational groups, nurturing groups. We have certain groups that that would really fall under the category of task-oriented groups. A Bible study, you know, all of the other groups that are involved here that um, that, that that were created to accomplish something. We, we're going to be working on community groups. Now, let me, let me tell you, uh, right now in our life, Marianne and I, we long for community at, at this stage in our lives. Because right now, we are empty nester grandparents. I mean, this hit us just boom, just like that. And so we're, we don't know how to live together anymore, right? It's, just, it's too quiet. Turn up the TV. Turn up the radio. What do we do tonight? I don't know. You want to go to bed and just go to sleep? I guess. Let's do that. Yeah. And, but, and, and I, love, I love being a grandparent. It's, it's, it's one of the greatest things that ever happened. I can tell you that with the exception of Jeff and Amy, that my granddaughter is the most amazing that's ever landed on this planet. We share the same grandchild. But that's a whole different world for me, right? It took, it took me 
a long time to figure out the Veggie Tales tunes when my kids were little. About the time I figured it out and could sing it, the kids were gone. Anybody know Veggie Tales? Am I just did that make it to Kansas City? So now I'm having to learn Peppa Pig, Baby Shark. Yes. Charlie, I'll, I'll have my granddaughter sing that to you after, after church this morning about Baby Shark. And so we're in a time in our lives where we need community and to, and to connect and to love and to share. And I just say that to you because that's exactly where we are in our lives. But I would venture to say this. Most of you are also in that position in life. Because of what community and relationships do for us. It's critical uh, in our lives. So look at the text. Uh, let's make a few points about this and then, and then I'll get to this, to, to the next screen. In, in Acts chapter 2, you have this infant church that's just beginning to blossom and to grow. And they're searching things out. And how do we live now? And what does this this person called Jesus Christ and his death and his burial, the, the, the Romans killed him, and, 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 and then he came forth from the grave and, and was resurrected, and now has called us to live in this, in this new covenant. How do we do it? What is it like? How do we function? How is it different from, from Jewish life and Orthodox Jewish worship and lifestyle? And, we're, and So, especially the book of Acts is this story of how Christianity was trying to develop. One of the things that you notice immediately, especially from this text, though, that there was great excitement. That on the one hand, they would proclaim Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In this text, they were, you know what? Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's get together. Now, think about this. Let's get together. Let's celebrate this. Let's get involved with one another. I'm sure there were some who said, no, let's just go to church once a week and sit in a pew and look at the back of everybody's head. No, we don't want to do that. We don't don't want that. We want to know what's going on in your world, what's going on in your life. How, How is this making a difference for you? And so you notice a few words. First one, they were devoted. I love that word. Man, they, they committed themselves to teaching and to fellowship and to eating together. I love them already. And to praying together. So let's commit to this. You see, the other thing is that the believers were together. And I love this phrase. And they had everything in common. Let that sink in for just a moment. That they had everything in common together. Their beliefs, their practice, even as we're going to find out, their material goods. This is the body of Christ. And they sold possessions and goods and they gave to, to meet the needs. And then they met every day in the temple. So they're meeting all the time to worship. I promise you that when they met together in the temple to worship, they weren't giving it this number. How much longer are you going to be today? You know, Jerome led way too many songs this morning. Sitters is preaching too long. 
And they met in each other's homes. They welcomed each other. And look at this. And they were praising God. Thank you, God. This is the day which the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And this is the youngest we're ever going to be, and God is good to us, and we're going to praise Him. And they enjoyed, love this phrase, they enjoyed the favor of each other. They just enjoyed the being together, the blessing of being face-to-face with other people, And having conversation and communicating with them. They were involved in each other's lives. 1985, I believe, I come home from, come home, I go back to Louisiana from from Abilene. um, Because I'd had enough of trying to play basketball and, and make good grades. And so I enrolled at the university there where I grew up in Louisiana. And, and. At this university, they had a Church of Christ student center. Some would call it a Bible chair. So, your card-carrying Church of Christ member, you could park in this parking lot. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. I didn't really know anybody. I drove into the parking lot the first day. I get out of my car, and here comes, you know, the way I saw it, here comes an old man walking up out of the building to talk to me. He was the... He was the director of the student center. I didn't know him. And he walks up to me and he says, Hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Dennis. I said, Well, hi, I'm Danny. He said, Yes, I know who you are. He said, I've been looking for you. I've been waiting for you to show up. Because we're looking for people like you to help lead the cause of Jesus on this campus. Nobody had ever said anything like that to me. Nobody had ever really taken the time to greet, to love, to invest in me. And I've never forgotten it. That somebody found favor in me. Somebody was willing to take the time to come out of their office, walk out in the parking lot and said, you know, I'm looking for you. That's community. That's that's saying to another person, you are so valuable, you are so lovable, that that I want to spend time with you. Now look what God does, okay? So they're spending all this time together, and they're praising God, and they're worshiping, and they're taking care of the needs. And what does God do? He grows it. Now, follow the line of thinking here. Hey, we we, we got to grow this church. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to come up with some new programs where we teach people how to juggle for the name of Jesus. and you, Right? We're going to walk on our hands. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get invested in community and love each other and care for each other and learn to minister to each other and take care of the needs of each other and praise God together and be in homes together. And guess what God's going to do for this church? Take your time. If it's a complicated question, guess what God's going to do? He'll grow it. I I like that concept. I don't know how to grow a church. I don't know what to do. right here for us. 
So listen to this. It is in and through community, or in and through community lies the salvation of the world. Let me say that one again. In and through community lies the salvation of the world. God will reach people when we learn how to live in community with one another. Living in community and, and, and being a part of a, a group of people, and I, I was thinking about this. I went back to my childhood growing up in a neighborhood where we knew everybody. Anybody else had that experience? Let me see a show of hands. That you grew up in a neighborhood, none of you guys, where you knew your neighbors. Let me tell you about this. I'm just speak to you guys for a minute then. So I had, we grew up in a neighborhood. We had houses all around us. And um, there, there were people our age all up and down the street. And every day after school, we were supposed to come home and do our homework. But most of us would come home, change our clothes, right? You had to take off your school clothes, put on your play clothes, and then you go outside and you start doing all kinds of stuff. And you would play. And we would go to other people's houses in our neighborhood. Can you believe that? It's an amazing concept. And here's what was even more amazing than that. When we would go into their house, a friend of mine, Brian was the one that lived across the street from me. I would go into Brian's house and his mother would have cookies or milk or something to eat. Anybody else? And we learned to live in community. I remember many times getting, coming into the house for supper, and my mom would have these plates of uh, the dishes ready for supper, and she would say, let's go. I said, where are we going? We're going across the street to the Winder's house. We're eating supper with them. We didn't even go to church with them. I don't know where they went to church. But they would invite us over, or we would invite them over. We knew each other. We knew about each other. Several times I would have um, um, friends in the neighborhood who would spend the night with us because either their parents were sick or they were at the hospital or they had to go somewhere. They would stay with us. I can tell you that for the past 20 years in my own experience of living in neighborhoods in Oklahoma and Louisiana... And in my neighborhood right now, I, I don't see much of that anymore. Anybody, you agree with me? Now, some of you, y'all have lived in the same place for 187 years, and you know everything that goes on, right? Or your family lives around you. But we have lost a sense of community in the world that we live in. And I think one of the greatest things we can do at this church in 2019 is to be intentional about developing community, and I'm going to come back to this, but and to fight for it. And to fight for it. Because everything's working against us today in this world. Oh, you're an individual. 
Individualism. I don't need I don't need other people. It's just God and me and I'm good to go. And I think we miss out on a lot. Let me give you some things that are wrote down uh, for you to think about. Here's the reason why intentional community is so important. Number one is that community in, in your groups of people, that um, it is greater uh, than the sum of its parts. What I mean by that is more than a meeting. Um, it, it's, it's where bonding of souls come together. The bonding of souls that accomplish something greater than any individual within the group could accomplish. And let me tell you what I believe about groups, and I, and I put this one out first. Wake your neighbor up. Community is where miracles happen in the church. Over the years, I've seen this. I saw a group, and again, this was quite a long time ago. I saw a group in our church that I thought they were old. And they started a food bank out of their group. And they, to this day, are still running the East Texas Food Bank, and they're feeding anywhere from six to 800 people on a monthly basis. Same group of folks. How's that happen? How, right? We could, we could beg all day. Would you come sign up for food bank? And would you start a food bank ministry? And we really need somebody to teach food bank. And like, no, I'm not doing that. Put them in a group together and all of a sudden miracles start to happen. And I saw them develop this. And this became, this became their ministry. But this is how they, they also connected with one another. I saw another group that adopted a local school in their, in their own small group and began to, how you say it, infiltrate the school for good and were a blessing to so many children and parents because today most schools are like, no, no churches can't come over here. But the greatest miracle I ever saw was in my youth group about 25 years ago when, when the youth group decided that they were going to buy a car for a single mom who didn't have any transportation. It's amazing. Community is where miracles happen. And when we circle up and we get to know each other and we share with one another and we care for one another, things begin to click. The other thing is that community groups are inclusive. Remember, all are welcome. Do you remember the Sermon on the Mount and the Kingdom of God? And one of the principal points was, in the Kingdom of God, all are welcome. Where we practice this, one of the main areas we practice this is in groups. All are welcome. You're welcome. You have value. It's inclusive. That's a challenge for us today, especially the world that we live in. We learn how then, in, in, with being inclusive, is to practice the discipline of hospitality. Now, what I always thought hospitality was is I invite you over, I you know serve you. If it's me, you get some peanut butter and jelly or no peanut butter and syrup. Anybody ever had that? That is, 
My kids can't stand it to this day because that's all they had when I made lunch. But it's all you, you get peanut butter and syrup and we sit down and talk and you go, it's not what hospitality literally means. Hospitality means, and listen to this carefully, the practice of opening my space so that you feel welcome to come into. Right? You ever met somebody that's closed? You walk up to them and, Hi, I'm Danny Sitters. And then, uh, or you, you go to give them a hug and I give you that. Their space is not open. And that's fine. But their space is not open. You ever been to a church where you, you place membership? Hopefully this, this is not the case at this church. I, I don't believe it is. But you place membership and you realize, you know what? This is not a hospitable church because they won't open up their space so that we can come in and feel loved and warmed and welcomed. Community, we practice the discipline of hospitality. Which in its essence means, you're welcome. Come close. You're valuable. And all are welcome. It communicates love, acceptance, and value. Right? Which are our deepest needs. And by the way, in community, we, we do not attempt to blame or fix. We love. Community complements my weaknesses. And what I mean by that is this. There are certain things in life that I'm not good at. I know you find that hard to believe. Finances, data. Please don't make me do that. Painting, painting walls. I mean, it's just, I don't like it. I'm not any good at it. So everybody has strengths and they have weaknesses. Watch this when we come together. There are people who have strengths in the group that are my weaknesses. That because now we're in relationship with one another and we find this out about each other, we go to work and help each other. We assist each other. And so being in community complements my weaknesses. Some of you know how to work on cars. Some of you know how to paint. Some of you know how to do finances. Whatever it is, you see, we're living together in community. And we're sharing. And we have these things now in common. It's critical. Look at the next one, though. Community enables me to know who I am. And I want to kind of park here for just a moment. Do you realize that I cannot know myself? Until I know you. Let that one sink in for just a moment. I can't know myself. Right? If, I, if I lived on, on, a, on a desert island by myself or a tropical island by myself and I didn't have anybody to relate to, I would never know who I am. Am I good at this? Am I not good at this? Am I, am I a loving person or not? Because I don't have anybody to bounce that off of. I will never know exactly who I am until I get into relationship with you. I will never know exactly um, how far I can develop and become and grow unless I'm in community. These things are critically important. 
Community also seeks accountability. Let me talk about this one for a moment. Accountability in the church has been a weakness for a long time. I, I do counseling. I've done counseling for a long time. And um, I said this. Many people in the church would be shocked at what goes on in our homes of people that come to worship every Sunday. Not necessarily that you should be shocked, but some people would be shocked. But there are also a lot of, of marriages and families and relationships that we have no idea what's going on in the homes because there is no accountability in the church. And quite often what I've encountered in, in counseling is when a spouse comes to my office and says, my husband or my wife left me and they want a divorce. What? You guys are sitting together every Sunday in church. You guys are worshiping. You're on the praise team. Whatever it is. What, what's going on here? How did, how, did, how did nobody know this? And the reason is because in American contemporary Christianity, accountability is frowned upon. And it's to our detriment. Because we're trained not to be accountable. I talked yesterday for an hour and a half with a 55-year-old man who lives in another state who began to tell me for the first time in his life of telling anybody the situations that he had gone through. As a young child, he witnessed his father drowning in a river when they went fishing together. And never got over that, was angry at God from the age of 12 until now, left home, disowned his mother, disowned his brother, went to live with his aunt and called her mother. To this day, he still calls his mother by her first name and calls his aunt mother. Have no relationship with anybody within his family. He told me I was going to prove. I was going to show him. I was going to prove to God. I was going to prove to my family that all of this stuff is bogus. He's talking about faith and Christianity and going to church. His father was a minister. He determined, I'll never, ever turn to God again. And so he starts telling me the story yesterday. Of the day that he lost his father. And he said, you know what my biggest problem was? He said, I refused to accept the love from people that were all around me that were wanting to help and to hold me accountable. He said, I, I put my foot down to that. And it has almost destroyed my life. 
thank God. They come to this realization. Because this person is a family member of mine. Cousin of mine. He said, because I was so rebellious and resentful, I destroyed the legacy of my dad. Because I thought life was all about me. And that life was all about me proving to everybody else that I could be the exception to the rule. Right? That I didn't have to, and we've used this phrase before, I didn't have to surrender to the process. And it almost killed him. We all need accountability. We all desire to be people of integrity, but it takes work and it means being intentional. And it means learning to be vulnerable in a safe environment. I believe that as we, and by the way, you'll be hearing more news about groups and different things. I've been talking to several and we're in the process of developing them and you're going to hear something pretty quick. I believe this is where the next step we take as the Heartland Church of Christ is to get everybody involved in a group and get in there and start loving and caring and sharing and blessing and working together. I think you're going to see growth. I think God's going to add to. It's what people are longing for. Now finally this. To experience community means that we're going to have to fight. And it means that we're going to, number one, and listen to me carefully now, we're going to have to fight against culture. Everything in this American culture says you don't need community, do it yourself, individualism. No, we're going to have to fight against culture. And I say, no, we see, we see, especially in, in Acts chapter 2, how the church really came together and they grew and they made time and, and, and they sacrificed time and they really began to grow. We're going to have to fight against culture, but here's the other. We are going to have to fight against excuses. I'll amen myself because I tend to be the culprit. Hey, listen, we know, we know that you're busy. So are we. Can I get an amen? This may be the best way to go through this one. We know that you have to get in the car and travel and put on miles in your car to get to wherever you're going. We do too. Can I get an amen? We know that you have children in the house... And their schedules are crazy. We understand that. We've all been there before at some time. We know. We know that you have aches and pains. I'm experiencing them more every day. These knees and backs. Everybody's got aches and pains. Don't use that as an excuse. We know you have aches and pains. We know you are tired. Guess what? So are we. Can I get an amen? But we also know we're afraid of this to some degree. Looking at people in the eye, 
sharing, loving, telling some things about my life. I don't know about that. Look, we all have fear. We work against it. We overcome it, especially in a safe environment. Probably need to add this one. We also fight against, well, we've never done that before in the church. Tell you what, when I was a kid, we didn't have to have that. You're circling up and talking about stuff. We don't need that around here. Just because Grandma didn't do it doesn't mean it's not a good thing to do. Can I get an amen? We're going to fight against this. And I'm going to keep standing up here each week, and I'm going to keep pushing you until we get everybody in a group. Okay. We're going to have to fight for a godlike community. But we fight for what's most important to us. Because as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And by the way, isn't this, isn't this true in our families? Think about what you want for your children. Right? My son went back to school, back to Louisiana Tech for his senior year. We went and had coffee a couple of times. And I didn't say to him, look, here's what I want for you. Man, I hope you make the best grade in computer science and I hope you're on the dean's list, and they, and I hope they build a building with your name on it. Peyton Sitters, Louisiana Tech, son of Danny Sitters, who's a great preacher in Kansas City, Missouri. I didn't, I didn't say any of that to him. Um, E.T., I heard several of you telling E.T. back there in the back a few weeks ago, when you get to college, right, I hope you set the all-time Clemson record for sacks and... And make all America. None of you said that to him. I heard what you said to him. You said the same thing to him. His parents have been telling him that. As I said to my son, get with friends who will hold you accountable and who will be an influence on you and who will bless you and get around people who will help you develop the talent and the ability that you have. And above everything else, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what we want for our kids. Why? That's the most important thing. And with God's help, we're going to do it, and I can't wait to see what the future holds for us. So, let's live life together. Let's live life together and love and care and minister and let God give the increase. Let's stand and sing the invitation song, and if we can pray for you or if we can assist you this morning, you can come to the front.